Hello, listeners. It is Monday night once again. And of course, it is time for us to discuss all the English and Italian football action. Yes, I do have a big old smile on my face. What a weekend. One of us might not, but we'll get there. <laughs> Welcome to the Anglo Italian Pod. As always, please follow us on Twitter at Italian Anglo Pod, on Instagram at Anglo Italian Pod. <laughs> my name is Rory, and I am joined by the two guys above me. Adam and Andy. Here we are, boys. We How are. are we doing? How were your weekends, Adam? How was your weekend? Yeah, yeah, really good. Uh, kind of reminisce just offline about uh, some classic Twitter that I've been uh, catching up on. So that was uh, classic conspiracy theories that no one wants to say. So um, just to give the listener and those viewing a gist, it's kind of like Edda has only scored one goal in his career, and that was the goal that helped Portugal win the Euro 2018, uh, I think it was. But yes, um, <laughs> lot, even, yeah, loads of like, little conspiracies like that that made me smile over the weekend, including some of the results, which we'll dig into in short time. So, uh, yeah, how is Andy, more importantly? <laughs> I mean, up up until um, Sunday afternoon, that was actually quite a good mood. Weekend's <laughs> football. I even I was you know I was even feeling optimistic on um, on Sunday morning, and yeah, we all saw the tweet. Don't worry, we all saw the tweet. Yeah, no, to be fair, that's genuinely how I felt at the time. Uh, stand by that. Um, but yeah, obviously, as we'll go into a bit later, um, it appears my optimism was mildly displaced. <laughs> it lasted all the five minutes, but before we get there, <laughs> to be honest, but yeah, yeah. they are terrifying they are absolutely terrifying and it's the one thing that like as excited as i'm getting every time i watch man city i'm like ah don't bother <laughs> just don't bother. <laughs> no one's gonna get even close to them but we're gonna start this week by talking about Serie A, and there was some really i think some big mm. matches some good matches um i don't know where, where we want to start should we start with the fact that juve actually learned to attack it was probably helped by bologna it was helped by bologna right they were just terrible helped by bologna i really did expect more and i I was looking at the table after the game and i was like oh i thought they'd had a better start to the season than they have they actually only have one win um Mm. they got a few draws they're not losing many but i thought they'd been doing better than they were they did not put up a fight against juve it was super comfortable juve didn't even really have to try um, Adam, what did you make of it? And then we can go to Milik's wonder goal, right? Yeah, um, Bologna just didn't really offer much, it has to be said. Um, I thought this was Skorupski's opportunity to kind of show mm-hmm. his worth because he was talking about in midweek about how he feels he should be more considered for the national side. And on that basis, obviously, I'm sure uh, Polish manager Mikniewicz is looking at Wojciech Szczesny at the other end thinking, yeah, he's the one that I'm going to have as my number one, which is unfortunate news for me because I know he's got a clangor in him. But <laughs> regardless of that, uh, Arnautovic was not to be seen. Mm-hmm. Um, just terrible attacks, to be fair, from Bologna. They did kind of put a bit more fight in the second half, but by that point, it was pretty much game, set and match by that point. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, l- let's move on to these goals then. You know, Milik incredible volley um yeah yeah, to be fair you have to say that was the most positive performance Mm Juventus fans have probably seen 
to what was a very empty stadium. It has yeah, to I'm, be I'm not sure how many of them saw it, but some of them saw it. Yeah. Um, Andy, what did you make of it? Uh, we've been kind of telling you how negative Juve are. Uh, what did you make of the performance? But yeah, they seemed to, I think they I think they had they needed that result, and I think they had rather accommodating opponents. It's fair to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I think even with the way Allegri plays, which uh, we've always thought is pretty boring, but at the end of the day, if, good, if you give good players space, they will punish you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I felt I felt like Kostic made a lot of uh, progress on the left hand mm-hmm. side. Uh, tried a little finish from him, to be fair. Yeah. Um, he could be a great signing for that. Yeah, well. yeah. I mean, Kostic, you know, I saw Kostic yeah. Frankfurt last year, and um, he's he seems to have this sort of same finish that he does, where he opens up his body and then just tuck. You know, mm-hmm. you kind of you, you know where he's going to pull mm-hmm. it. Um, he tells you where he's going to pull it, and then still slots it in anyway. Mm-hmm. Nice little. Uh, move that he's got he's picked up from his time in Germany and he's obviously carried mm. over here um so yeah I think um it puts takes the pressure off a, a tiny bit for mm-hmm. a leg break. uh because I mm. think you know we were talking last week you know but Marco Arnautovic gets a hat trick or something like that um, <laughs> You know, I could just see him with his ear at the Allianz. I could yeah, just see yeah, it in my head. It was, like, it was a possibility. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, in reality, I mean, Juve, they've started poorly, but they've only lost once one in eight games. They're mm-hmm. only four points away from the top four, which, you, you know, I guess, and it's still a long way to go in the season. So although it's all a bit doom and gloom at the moment mm-hmm. for Allegri, um, there is still more than enough time in the season for that to improve and I think for the sake of uh, Juve's accountants they'll probably hope that things <laughs> pick up from there one way they the make other. it up as they go along don't worry true yeah <laughs> they're they're almost as bad as Barcelona's accountants aren't they <laughs> well for, for Allegri I think you're right this is a huge win because they've kind of got a run of games now they've got Maccabi Haifa next in the Champions League which at home they have to yeah. win but then they've got Milan away Maccabi Haifa away which I don't think is an easy game and then they've got the Turin derby. Now, obviously, <laughs> it's a derby in name only. Torino never win that game, but it's still a big game, right? So yeah. I feel like there's a run of games here where Allegri could potentially struggle. I think this three points is huge for him. But there was a player that stood out to me, and I'm just going to see how much I can rattle Juve fans because all I see is them slag him off. But every time I see him play, he's one of their biggest goal threats. Weston McKenney. In the first half, he had two or three opportunities that he should have scored, could have scored. But I think as a midfielder, he probably says quite a lot about their midfield. He's one of the more dynamic midfielders that they have. Am I wrong, or do you think he gets a bit of a rough I th- time I think, at Juve? No, I think he gets a bit of a rough time, to be fair, because I've seen him in like you know European games. He has, and even back when he was at Schalke, he has got a goal in him, to be fair. He's quite mm-hmm. good at doing the whole box-to-box kind of role. I think he probably gets a lot of stick, maybe because, uh, I don't know, maybe he's... He's American. He's not that technical, and mm-hmm. you know maybe I think not, people are still unsure what type yeah, of player he is. Fully, he's, he's but... not your typical Italian midfielder, is mm-hmm. he? Uh, he's very sort of, I dare say, quite British in his style mm-hmm. of play. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that just jars with some people, but mm-hmm. I think he's a very serviceable player. He is somebody that would give you, especially compared to some of the other individuals, mm-hmm. Rabio. Yeah. He'll give, yeah. <laughs> he'll give like, you. He'll yeah, gi- he won't yeah. give you any shit. He'll give you a hundred percent every game. Um, and I think you know availability, generally speaking, is king. Um, mm-hmm. So I think the, the manager obviously trusts him because he knows what you get with him. 
Yeah, mm. I, I just think he—I had him in fantasy maybe last year or the year before, and he popped up with a lot of goals. I thought I don't get why they hit. Him. Maybe they just will never forgive him for putting ranch dressing on pizza. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> that's what it is. But I thought he had a pretty good first half. I thought he played really well, and I thought. There is a player there. If we could just find out what type of midfielder he is, maybe there is an actual player there. But yeah, a much better performance for Juve, but definitely not the biggest game of the weekend. Definitely no. not. I think it has to be Inter losing again to Roma while Mourinho was sat in a truck having to watch <laughs> it and screaming it all on Instagram. I'm sure we've all seen the, the, the story. It is fantastic. But what a performance from Roma and what a performance from Inter. I, I watched it with friend of the show now, Tommy. Um, he was super happy first half, not so much second half as Inter definitely lost interest. I am going to give my thoughts, but I'm going to go to you, Adam, first. And I'll go to Andy. What are your reflections from this game? Um, did did Roma deserve it? Uh, yeah, I think they did. Um, but let's just talk about Inzaghi for a second. This is the worst start that Inter have had since a certain Gasparini was in charge Ooh. of Inter and we know what happened then. So, um, yeah, it's on the cards, isn't it? It does feel like at the moment Inzaghi is probably going to be pushed out and he's not got it easy if you look at the run-in because... Yeah, they've got mm. midweek against Barcelona that they need to win. And then on Saturday, they play a team that they don't get much luck when it comes to league matches, and that's Sassuolo. Um, mm -hmm. Sassuolo in good form after that 5-0 win against Salernitana. Um, but yeah, let's talk about Chris Maldini as well. Incredible, incredible performance. Um, it has to be said, Roma weren't very good in the first half. I thought mm. Chenalogu was unlucky. Jeko was just, just offside yeah uh, that was that was yeah. bloody Very close offside. yeah and um, but one comment i've got to ask both of you handanovic and i just noticed it because <laughs> i was gonna say handanovic why does he dive backwards i i, I don't know what <laughs> i know he's straight at him it just reminds me of do you remember the Nike advert where the demons where the ball goes through like and checks the goal <laughs> through his chest? That's what yeah. it feels like with that effort. Um it was incredible by Dabala as well. But Handanovic, for some reason, I don't know what it is, and I'm thinking like from a goalkeeper's point of view, you're always kind of trying to push it out rather than mm -hmm. kind of like he kind he just of went... just absorbs a ball and yeah. goes into the net. So I just don't get that. But um yeah, into I've said it before. Trouble. His wrists are made of cheese string. He has <laughs> zero strength in his wrists. And I think Jabala shared that video. I think you retweeted it on the page with him yeah. like pointing at the screen, right? And I was like, yeah, Dybala, it was a great hit, but you owe half of your goal bonus to Handanovic because that should have been <laughs> saved. Like that definitely should have been saved. For Inter, you're right. First half, I think they were the better team. And I thought, oh, mm. Roma just haven't turned up. It's another game where they've got a big opportunity and they're just classic Roma, just not showing up, bottling it. And then second half, something changed and Inter were absolutely terrible. I think the players that people were shouting their names of the most while I, while we were watching it in the pub was people are kind of sick of Barella. He's having a really, really mm, bad season. He, you can't fault his effort. You can't fault many things about that guy, but he is not having a good season. Mm. Um, Scriniar, I don't know what was wrong yeah. with some of his positioning. Some of it, some of the 
positions he found himself in, even for one of the goals, I think he was like on the wrong side or like just five yards away from the player. Small no Dean, uh, it was Small yeah. Deeney's header for some reason. He's just so just, far behind the play. It's just un- incredible. And that's not only just this match. It's been mm-hmm. a few matches yeah. now where he's just off the pace. Um, and it just, it's, it's incredible for a defender that was bit, that has been like, mm. Consistently Incredible. one of the best centre backs in Serie A. Like it's been unbelievable. He just does not look on it at all. Um, and Danovic, obviously, people were just screaming like, "We've got a keeper on the bench who is ready to come in. Yeah. Who is like miles Ten better than this guy? Better. Like they understand that like the the, the position that Handanovic holds in the changing room, and you know he's a club legend, etc., mm. etc. Et but it's time to move on. I think this could be the hill that Inzaghi ultimately dies on. Yeah. is if he doesn't replace Handanovic with Onana. Um, I think the fact that Lukaku's been unfit, players like Chalonoglu, he looked decent first half, very much lost interest. I think just lots of the players, you can just see that they the. the Maybe they just stopped listening to Inzaghi or just the, the amount of effort that they put in last year yeah. and under Conte is just not there. Too much. One player who I was impressed with was Aslani. I thought he actually mm. played very well first half. I thought this is what we need to see. But I, I don't know about you, Andy. What stood out to you with, we, we can praise Roma, but what stood up to you about Inter's performance? I think in the first half they attack. They attacked with a, with a lot of intent, a lot of purpose, of finding those spaces on there. I think Demarco, especially, yeah. um, you saw it on international duty as well. Really adds yeah. um, a lot of thrust. And I think, I think they're just lacking a clinical edge at the moment, as you say, with um, Lukaku's fitness issues um, yeah. and have quite a few big names from you know top to bottom of the pitch. Their spine. That surface so well that tight energy of you know Skriniar, Lukaku, Barella, mm. they're all kind of having a collective um yeah. fail at the moment. And I think, as you say, I think um Dan Danovic, I mean, oh man, you, you you'd be fuming if you if you if you watch you know to crew Alexandra, right? And you saw your keeper doing that, yeah. you'd be you'd be livid. I'd be fuming. Let yeah, alone really in a Syria yeah. game yeah. for all of those. And I think I think you know, you guys have obviously watched much more of Andanovic than I have, but I looked at that uh, before the pod, I was like, What are you doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> all you yeah. have to do is just stay where you are and do that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. so much yeah. frustrating. But you know, whilst we're on the subject of slating keepers, I thought Ruby Patricio could have done a little bit better. Yeah, let's be yeah, honest. That's that, very true. I looked that's at that replay true. a few times and thought, that's a fucking P roll. You've yeah. got to be, I know mm. it's a bit old, but you've got to be diving to your right a bit mm. quicker than he did because he just kind of went down in the installments. Yeah. Know, like, yeah, a, yeah. like a reverse <laughs> IKEA flat pack. Uh, <laughs> and I thought, I thought, I thought it was a little bit poor with that one. Um, mm. But yeah, I guess you also got to talk about obviously small DD as well. I think. I think it's time to bite the. I think Gareth might be time for Gareth and to bite the uh, bite yeah, the bullet. I, and there are definitely worse English centre backs out there, and I feel like there's Smalling, quite a lot of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's, Smalling has actually the career he's had at Roma has been incredible. Like since he turned up to mm. Roma, he definitely. I feel like the first season maybe he was a little bit shaky, or there was one season where people were like, "Oh God." He was out of form, but he's managed to turn himself into a key player for this Roma team. I think he obviously loves playing for Mourinho. Like, yeah, and I think that's that's the Mourinho factor. It seems to be working in Italy again. Mm-hmm. He seems to work his budget again. Because another one who looks happy now is Dybala. 
I think yeah, yeah, yeah. it felt like at Juve, I think it, towards the end of his time at Juve, I think part of the reason why he left, I think, is perhaps he didn't quite feel the love. You know, well, didn't, yeah. he, he didn't really feel particularly wanted because um, he's being offered out every summer. Yeah. You know, oh, <laughs> when he's publicly publicly calling out Nedved on the pitch, like staring yeah. at yeah. him as he scored. Like he, he made yeah. no secret. There was, it, ob- like, yeah, yeah, there was yeah. obviously a lot of stuff yeah. going on behind the scenes. You know, they're trying to flog him off to they tried to flog him off to Man United at one point, yeah. um, and he fair to say resisted that one quite strenuously. <laughs> uh, but now I think he's found a club where he's wanted. I think Roma. I didn't expect him to end up at Roma. No, um, at the start no, of the window, I think a lot of people expected him to go abroad, and I think he could be. He, I think he's that X factor mm. between, um, you know, what would be finishing from the Europa League into the Champions League, and maybe yeah. something more. But I think, you know, in this second Mourinho season, I think um, they have to be aiming for the Champions League. Whether yeah. they get them or not, yeah. I don't know. But there does certainly seem to be a bit more belief about them. Roma, mm. Roma have played some tough games already so mm-hmm. you know they've played they've played atalanta that you know they've played juve already um they've had a lot of tough games so mm-hmm. um, and they're still I, up there but i think with dabali you're right he gives them the option that means they won't have to rely on tammy abraham so much and he's yeah. been a little bit yeah exactly so when season, he's not so... in form they have another option and then they can wait for tammy to play himself back in form he came on i thought he did okay when he came on yeah, towards, towards so. the end tammy abraham but i think the player that I need to talk about is just Pellegrini, man. What a yeah. player. What a player. I just absolutely love him as a player. I think we've talked about him before. He's just so complete. He's just so complete yeah. and such a creative key for this Roma team. I yeah. thought he had another fantastic game. And seeing Spinazzola get an assist, I love to see Spinazzola yeah. doing well. If we, if we can get him back to the uh, Euros Spinazzola, he could be a hell of a player. We just hope we can keep the fitness levels up. But I thought Roma... Just- unbelievable performance like we said in the previous pod they've not won at the san siro since 2014 or something it was like eight years ago right i think it was Mm. so yeah huge huge win and i saw again adam on the twitter i think you're kind of joining the club of like falling in love with Mourinho. now he's in italy right i'm yeah i can't i'm obsessed with the guy now yeah i mean it's beautiful isn't it just even Mm. his actions just in that bus, you know, just like lapping it all up. But I think, yeah, we're starting to see the other side of like Mourinho where he's just like an old dog where you're just like, yeah, you love him, don't you really? Yeah. Despite all the niggly little things he gets up to, you still love him. But yeah, yeah. He, he's a joy. He's an absolute joy. And I think that's, he's found a club that actually, even the fan base love him. They, I think yeah. because they've just, mm-hmm. he's given them hope. And that, that's yeah. the thing that they've been craving, someone to lead them, as Andy kind of says, to that top four. I think that yeah. by the end of the season, top four is realistic. It's then mm-hmm. how can he push them up further? And I think he's the right man because he'll attract the right players as well. Mm-hmm. He's got the contacts. People trust him. Um, and I feel for Tammy Abraham. I just think one goal, once he gets that one goal, yeah. then the rest will start falling. So, um, yeah, I- I'm really optimistic with this Roma side. You do have to say, though, like with every Mourinho side, there's always that one team they'll always lose and fuck up. So let's wait and see. Let's wait and see. But yeah, very good result for Roma. I think it's, yeah, huge, huge result. Huge result. And I think, um, especially with Serie A looking so open this year, I think it could be a kind of like Roma, if they just get those results together, it could be a huge season. But we're going to go to the team that are still leading the table and... 
Kavaradona, not only <laughs> does he have the same, a similar surname, a similar nickname, he now has joined the Maradona club in having murals of him painted in Quartier Espanol wow. wow. in Naples. The first Cavaradona mural is up. What a goal he scored once again. This guy, do we think he's cap like, is he Capon Canoniere material at this point? I don't know. It, it, at first, I thought he was just going to be getting assists, typical winger. Now he's doing this striker winger hybrid. It just this guy. Do you think he could get Capocannonieri? I mean, very possible, isn't it? It's very possible for him to be by the end of the season. Be, I don't know how you stop him. That that's yeah. the real <laughs> answer. Like, how do you stop him? Because, like we've said in the last or first few games, he can do both feet. He can assist. He can score goals. He's got the all-round game. Like, I'm just so interested to see how he does it against the bigger sides now. Yeah. I just think the stage is set. He had his first ta taste against Milan. Bit of a, mm -hmm. yeah, so-so yeah. match for him. But that said, I think the style didn't suit him in terms of tactics that Napoli deployed mm -hmm. on that particular match. So, yeah, I'm thinking Champions League, obviously, it looks like quite favourable that they'll get past this group stage. I'm looking forward to when they play the big games. And obviously, tomorrow night, they've got a very good, tasty game against Ajax as well. So that could be a very good showing for his abilities. But then again, I just think there's so much to get out of this kid. He just seems unstoppable yeah. at the moment. What about you, Rory? I'm I'm absolutely obsessed with him. I think, yeah, yeah. I think that his ability to, sh to shoot off both feet, it just keeps him so so unpredictable so hard to mark so like you know the typical thing like show him outside show him inside it doesn't yeah. matter he will just ping it at some point and i think we've talked about it before i think napoli have got some of the best business in europe there, if not the mm. best transfer in europe like it is just incredible how cheaply they got him and how incredible this guy is he is absolutely pushing that team forward but I need to, well, I'm going to take a little bit of credit for the guy who got the brace because I've been bigging him up all I season. <laughs> I guess all so, yeah. Since he, joined, since he joined Napoli, I said, this guy is the most complete midfielder in the league. And Guisa with two goals. If he starts adding yeah. goals to his game as well, Jesus, I don't know what you think of him, man. Do you remember him playing from Fulham? Have you seen yeah, much of him at he, Naples? Well, he was, he, was there, he was there for like a couple of years mm -hmm. in Fulham, wasn't he? And he's a completely different player. Mm -hmm. Um, in in, in uh, Syria for them, like, but you know, he's he's added a bit more. I think he's still feels more emboldened. I think he's when you mm -hmm. when you're playing in a team which has got more of the ball and encouraged to attack. I think you see the best out of him. Where maybe in England, because he was essentially playing with some woefully shit Fulham teams, that <laughs> you probably weren't going to get the best out of him when he's having to track back and. Um, you know, especially under Scott Parker, the whole you yeah. know, 10 men behind the ball. And I think we started to realise that wasn't really his game. Um, there's, there's a lot of dynamism. I mean, especially for his second mm -hmm. goal as well. That is just a man who's confident just to essentially take it all the way, lever it at short distance. And he just looks fully in control of what he was doing. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I think it's, um, I think along with... Um, Along with Smalling and Lookman, I think Syria seems to be turning into a bit of a rehabilitation home for Premier <laughs> League, for mid league Premier League players who've sort of lost their way a little bit. Uh, there's been a few of them, and Mikatarian's still in there, still lost in there. Somewhere. <laughs> I still, I still <laughs> forget. I still forget Mikatarian exists. I feel yeah. sorry for him because he left United because of Jose. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, well, I think that this Napoli team now just seems so much more rounded than last mm. year. I think we've, we've kind of briefly talked about it, um, but the fact they lost their captain, they lost like some huge players, yeah. Koulibaly, et cetera, et cetera. But somehow they've come out of it with the squad just looking so much more kind of assured of itself and so much mm. more settled. Spalletti, he guarantees you top four. Every year he will get you top four. That's what he does. Yeah. I would love to see Spalletti get his first Scudetto. And this is his chance. As we've said, I don't know what you think, Adam, but the, the title race is so open this year. Atalanta still massively in it. Is this Spalletti's chance? I hope so. We've been saying it last season. Yeah, we said it last year we as said well. It last right? season. Um, the one thing I will say, this feels a lot more balanced in terms of a squad. So the fact that we we're not even talking about Osserman, who was yeah. a focal point for last season. Can you imagine when he comes back into that side? I think he's struggling to get into that side right now because you don't want to ruin that balance. Raspadori's just got form, yeah. for example. And, you know, Zelinski's still there, for example. I mean, it, it just feels like a complete side at the moment, even mm. defensively, where I thought that might be the issues. I mean, Kim's just come into it and just looks like, yeah, yeah you don't have to worry about Mary Rui as well, for example, the assist for Anguisa for the first one. Incredible cross. Like, mm. you wouldn't expect him to do those masquerading runs, but he did. And yeah. I think that kind of sums up the feeling that there's a confidence there at the moment. And that's something that, unless they have a combination of bad defeats or maybe an injury run, it's going to be hard to kind of defeat that. I think the big thing will be is can they maintain it for at least three for or three quarters of this season? That's mm. the big thing because I think they're going to have to prioritise something at the end of the day. Is it going to be Champions League or is it going to be the Scudetto? I think this is where, obviously, it depends on who they play and what's available to them. But yeah, mm -hmm. it's definitely promising signs, that's for sure. They've got a interesting run of games coming up. So they've got, um, obviously, you said they've got Ajax midweek, Cremonese away, who mm. still looking for their first win. Then they've got Bologna. Roma away is a big test. Roma's going to be a big yeah. test. I've checked. They don't play Juventus until the 15th of January. So that's the day <laughs> it all collapses. That's the day it collapses. Um, but yeah, they've got some massively winnable games coming up. And I'm just enjoying the football they play. I think mm. they've been the most entertaining team in Italy to watch Definitely. for a while. And that's definitely not ending yet. But before we leave Serie A, we need to talk about one more team because they're still up there and we think we've got them back. Atalanta won, Fiorentina nil. It wasn't a great game. <laughs> it wasn't a great game. But Atalanta get the win. Andy, what did you think of this game? Yeah, it wasn't like, yeah, it wasn't the most massively entertaining game you'll see in your life. Um, I thought, um, and obviously, the funniest fun stat this season is that. I'm, um, Atalanta have not trailed at any point um, at all this season, which That's is um, eight games in. It's really mm. fucking impressive. Um, so it shows shows the depth and quality that they've got um, in you know in defence at the moment. I mean, you've got obviously you know you've got Demiral, uh, who's probably the more senior centre back. Again, mm -hmm. probably somebody who probably nowadays walks into the event as lineup with yeah. um Chiellini having gone away so I think that's a bit of a loss in Juve's part mm -hmm. and then you've got Scalvini who's uh 18 years old and um Akori who's uh, spent a couple of years on loan who's come back um start you know getting some starts in there so I think it's a good mix of youth and experience mm -hmm. and they've clearly Got an understanding between each other. Um, and they were missing, you know, Aslan to were missing a few players as well. Uh, obviously, they had their second choice, Sportiello, in goal. Uh, I think it's very <laughs> fair to say 
that um, XCY second choice. Both, uh, the goalkeep- both the goalkeepers in this game were yeah. terrible. They it were was, um, terrible. I thought, yeah, I thought I thought Sportier got away with it a couple of times. Yeah. Um, I, I think Zappanora had, had a couple of sighters. Mm-hmm. I think he looked like Zappanora. I know he's prone to having a bit of a dig from range anyway, but yeah, yeah, yeah. he felt like he kind of knew he was the keeper was a bit ropey, and mm. you know. There was one way he hit it, and he just kind of sporting just bundled over it, didn't really collect it. And mm-hmm. if somebody was a little bit quicker off a mark there, uh, maybe it's a sign of where Juve's uh, Fiorentina's yeah. um, confidence is at, is that somebody could have got on the top of that. A very a better team with better strikers would have got on top of that and scored. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Deborah did got himself an own goal as well. Um, he absolutely walloped that as well. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, was... I was a bit like. That wasn't over. That was a little bit too close. Uh, I'm, yeah. sure he, I'm sure he meant it. It's fine. A bit of overconfidence. <laughs> all under control. Yeah, it's one of those you like a right donut if that goes in. Because the keeper <laughs> was going the other way, so he won't get it anywhere near it. Um, but yeah, I think, but I think worth... you kind of hit on something there with the fact that like when Sportiello spilt it, Fiorentina were unable to take advantage. And that's because they have zero attacking threat. Throughout this yeah. game, I was waiting for something to happen. I think they brought on Jovic towards the end. Right, but it didn't mm. really change anything. Not to say Jovic of a couple of years ago. Yeah, no, he's off the pace. He's off the pace, and that mm. was one of the things I was going to pull out on this one. Whilst they have got the best possession stats in the league, they're no, neither clinical or defensively really yeah. good at the moment. That's the story <laughs> of like Fiorentina's season. They're just mm-hmm. like you contrast it to Atalanta, who we kind of associate as being the best attacking, outgoing, you know, counter-attacking side. They've got the best defensive record in the league, um, best joint clean sheets holders with Sassuolo of all teams that we would associate as with having <laughs> clean sheets. Definitely not finally keeping clean sheets. Exactly. Yeah. So, well, yeah, that think, kind of tells you the story, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I think also we've looked uh, worth mentioning Adam Ola Luckman as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we are talking just okay. before we went live and he's, undergoing a bit of renaissance so i think certainly compared to perhaps when he was in um in england especially you know his most recent suppose he expected to create more uh but he's obviously been told to get in the box yeah you know get That's get in the all box, you have to do get break, on the break get break, get on yeah. the end of things um and you know it was it was an easy goal but it's the sort of thing i didn't used to see him do which was just mm-hmm. getting in that six yard box take taking a gamble, see the results and scored a few goals for Leicester. Oh, my throat was going then. Scored a few goals for Leicester. Uh, so he's obviously getting a little bit of confidence. And I think uh, the move to Italy is sort of suiting him well. And I thought it was also interesting Gasparini's quote at the end. So he quoted about the, um, he likened um, where they are where they are at the moment to uh, the Giro Italia. Uh, okay. He said, you know, you don't know if you go, obviously you don't know if you go to win the whole thing, but not many people get to wear it either, uh, referring yeah, to the like blue that. jersey. And I thought I that's like a nice, that. yeah, nice He's very good. He's yeah, nice, good, nice, nice, nice analogy keeps the expectations where they should be. Whilst yeah, yeah. they're they're obviously having a good time where they are at the moment, and I think compared to the various difficulties they've had, I think 
last season. Last season was a bad season. Last season was a bad season. But I think they had yeah. quite a few injuries. Obviously, in the is now, he's retired now, hasn't he? Or he got mm-hmm. let go. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what's yeah. um, going on there. Muriel yeah. looks good. Muriel mm-hmm. looks good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, it's classic. Muriel, Muriel does in odd phases, doesn't he? He has a few yeah. months where he looks good and then gets a picks up a couple of injuries that shite for 18 months. You forget he exists and just yeah. pops back. He does <laughs> it in games. There was a point where he dribbled past like four players and just spammed it into the stand. And I was like, oh, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> You were so good. His controller broke. <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, he looked super lively throughout the game. I think if they can get him fit and in form again, we all know about Duvan Zapata again, getting him mm. fit and in form again. Like, I just think for Gasparini, it's an incredible kind of recovery because last year, I think people like Atalanta are never going to sack him. They know that he's doing an incredible job there. Yeah. But I think people started, including ourselves, to think, oh, is the magic running out there? Have we seen yeah. like was the quarterfinals of the Champions League, was that the story? Like, But it feels mm-hmm. like they're kind of coming back a little bit. Great to see. I love so many of the players in that team. Coop Miners, Hatterbor, Malinowski. Yeah. There's so many players there that are like a glorious to watch. So another good win for them. Fiorentina, they'll be fine, but it's not going to be a fun season for them. It's just not going to be a fun season. I think this Europa League thing is kind of screwing them. The Thursdays mm. playing a small squad. A fairly inexperienced manager like we like Italiano he's a very good manager but the first time for him managing a situation like this I think Fiorentina will be fine but it's not going to be a lot of fun in Florence I don't think elsewhere very quickly in Serie A it seems like Monza have woken up Adam Monza they're they alive <laughs> what's happened basically we've got a manager that's giving them belief, um, allowing mm-hmm. them to play a bit more. And, I mean, you just have to look at the performances from the likes of Piscina, Sensi, yeah. who scored an incredible goal in this one, Ravella, who's on loan mm-hmm. from Juventus, a player that should be playing for Juventus as opposed mm-hmm. to Rabia, as we've been talking about. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, incredible performance by Monza. Unfortunately, bad news for Sampdoria. They are pretty much bottom of the league. They have been there last week anyway, but Marco Giampaolo has been sacked. It was inevitable. I was speaking to you off, you guys offline. Um, Harry Winks hasn't even started a game, um, which might kind of indicate maybe the hierarchy we're expecting him to play. There potentially is maybe some money involved in that. So mm-hmm. I wonder if the next manager, whoever they bring in, suddenly plays Harry Winks and then will work it out from there but to be fair Sampdoria are a poor side they were lucky to stay up last season and it looks like they're destined to go down into Serie B so yeah unfortunately bad news for Sampdoria but good news for Monza they're actually propping up the table now they're coming up with some results and yeah looking a bit more promising which will uh, please us and Silvio and uh, yeah and co right He's going to have to pay for all those players if he stays up. He's going to have to actually pay for them all. That's the bills waiting at the end. But yeah, I think Monza are looking so much better. Sampdoria have had years of inaction. They've been so terrible and survived by the skin of their teeth so many times and Mm. just refused to improve, refused to improve. And this is where it gets you eventually... It's just too much. It's too far, yeah. and you end up going down. It kind of reminds me of Newcastle under Mike Ashley. That kind of vibe of just like if we can just scrape it, yeah. and then Please eventually you have to go. You have exactly. to go. A bad time for Genovese football because it looks like Genoa yeah. are not going to come back up either. So a bad time to be a football fan in Genoa. But that is our Serie A review. I think I'm going to quickly check through the games. Elsewhere, Milan beat Empoli three one again. Rafael scoring a beautiful chip. Um, that guy. 
that guy. Um, yeah. Sassuolo 5-0 against Salernitana. And tonight, we have Verona taking on Udinese. Lazio 4-0 against Spezia. They absolutely battered him in the first half. Mm. That was not even a contest. Nice. And the other one, Lecce Cremonese, two penalties. Like yes. Andy said in the last episode, when two teams need a win... They both get a draw, right? <laughs> That's what happens. Two penalties, one all. The relegation fight lives on. But now we are going to go to the Premier League. Oh, what a weekend. It started off in the best possible way. Now, I need to quickly, <laughs> quickly say that I was working uh, Saturday morning. We had people coming in for tests and there was a guy, it was one o'clock, right? Kick, kick off a half one. And he was doing this test and it was like 10 past one. I was like, man, you need to hurry up. Quarter past one. I was like, you best finish that test now. 20 past one. I just pulled it from under him, marked it out the door, managed to run into my house just as Thomas Partey hit the ball and it flew oh. into the top corner. Now, I swore to myself that I wasn't going to celebrate if he scored for obvious reasons. I'm sorry, listeners, but I only have so much inner strength. I went absolutely mental as that ball hit the hit the back of the net and then felt very guilty about it, if that makes you feel better. <laughs> but 3-1 winners for Arsenal. Before I go off on it, oh, what a performance. We were saying it was huge. Andy, what did you make of it? Yeah, I think Arsenal really stepped up. I mean, I said on the... And obviously on our pod last week, I think obviously get to see Arsenal really, really step up in a big, big game. But um, they did. Uh, I think the best story out of that one was reports that came out that Emerson Royale had invested one million pounds. <laughs> and it's just such a Tottenham Hotspur thing to do. He invested, you know, he'll, he, he's obviously brought out that you know, he spent one million pounds on his personal development uh, I thought oh that's great you know cryo chambers and fitness coaches nutritionists um and he still got fucking play football uh, <laughs> i guess you must have I, skipped the lesson on you know like controlling your <laughs> defensive positioning like... yeah it's just it's just fucking hilarious oh. but um no i think um the makeup of that awesome midfield seems quite settled mm. now um, I think Jack has played the best football of his career at Arsenal. You know, he's been wearing the captain's band again recently. And let's be honest, that's not a situation I don't think any Arsenal fan no. would have seen coming a couple of no. years back. Um, so I think he's seems to Arsenal has finally sort of got through to his more disciplined side. He's started to show that, you know, more or less week in, week out, which you weren't seeing beforehand. Um, and I think um, Saliba as well, he's, he's really... Mm. I mean, it was a little bit ropey against United, but generally speaking, like, he's been fantastic. He's um, honestly... I can't tell you how excited I am about that kid. I think we've got, like, the next best centre-back in the world. I honestly think when he hits his peak... He is. He reminds me of young Ferdinand. Every time I watch him, he just reminds me of real Ferdinand. His composure on the ball, his positioning, he's not scared of anything. He never panics. His passing range. He has come into the Premier League and looked. He's been one of the best centre-backs this year in the league. It's You can't deny it. And that is at the age of 21. It's mm -hmm. unbelievable how good this guy is. I'm so excited about him. I think with Granit Xhaka, he's playing a completely different role now. With Partey, and I'm going to do a bit on Partey because I realise there's a huge fucking elephant in the room with that. But, like, Xhaka's being played in a completely different role now. He's got that box-to-box -box role. He's being allowed to attack. 
we've wasted six years of his career playing him as a holding midfielder. He's not a holding midfielder. Mm. He's a box-to-box midfielder. That's what he is, and he's incredible. He's, his redemption arc is insane. Um, with Thomas Partey, I'm disgusted that he plays for the club. I really wish he would never play for the club again. It's difficult when it's not been found guilty, right? You can't talk about it. It's not in court. It's this whole thing of the club can't just sack him and be like, there's, a, there's an accusation, so you're gone. It's this weird gray area where we just have to kind of live with it. But let's not pretend that there's not others in the league that people are also living with, right? Like mm-hmm. the, he's not the only one. That's not to excuse it. But I've seen a lot of fans on Twitter this weekend giving Arsenal a disgusting club. When their club has one or two players that have also been accused of it, I th- yeah, I think they should all be... be taken out of the league, right? I just think yeah. it's a really difficult I mean, you... situation to be in. Because right? you got top, you got top them as well. They signed. Yeah. Um, what's his Eves face? Yeah. Mm-hmm. in the knowledge that he was still under investigation at mm-hmm. the time. And when they signed him, it, that situation, he obviously got wind of the fact it was going to be resolved. But again, like, should he be actively trying to sign a player who's got active accusations? Mm-hmm. Granted, that appears to have resolved itself. So maybe fair enough in the grand scheme of things. But obviously, United have got the, uh, the Greenwood situation, which to be fair, They've handled really well. They handled it very well. Um, yeah. The Ronaldo well. situation, yeah. less so. Mm-hmm. Um, I and mean, I just think, I just think it's a, the, the point I'm making is like uh, uh, all football fans are hypocrites at the end of the day. Everyone's hypocrites at the end of the day. I am enjoying the football that Thomas Partey is playing. He has been one of our best players this season. I just want people to know it makes me incredibly uncomfortable that he wears the Arsenal shirt, and I really, really wish he wasn't. Um, but we can go away from him. Adam, I'm going to get your thoughts on the performance. What did you make of Tottenham? I would not want to be watching that football every week. Yeah, it's um, terrible football at the moment. And I did mention, you know, if you cast your kind of minds back to the Chelsea performance, that's basically what you saw in this match. Mm-hmm. In particular, I mean, it was just that final ball occasionally from Spurs. Like Son, for many of them, it was highlighted on match of the day, just like mispassed. And the other thing that was picked up was Richarlison and Son were kind of on the wing, so to speak. So they were expected to track back, but that's not part of their natural game. They're not going to do that kind of duty. Um, But that said, also, Spurs defensively were terrible, absolutely terrible. Just no intensity, no like kind of pressing. It was just kind of like sit back, absorb it, which is to a degree, yes, it is Conte style but you expect a bit more from the players. And I'm sure, I think when you sense what you see, the videos that are coming out now, Spurs fans being really optimistic going into this North London derby, you can understand why they probably felt like that way because Mm -hmm. naturally the performance were indicating that they were going to be pressing and making sure this was going to be a tougher game for Arsenal. But I'm glad that I predicted Arsenal to win this because it was so inevitable. Unfortunately, just like... Arsenal just looked the form side. They looked in control despite everything. Like even in those moments where obviously we're talking about Emerson Royale, I think mm-hmm. a few years ago, you would have had David Luiz going, bombarding himself yeah. in and like getting sent off himself. So I think the fact is you've got a mature squad there. Um, yeah, it's incredible performance by Arsenal. It has to be said, but yeah, Spurs, absolutely terrible. And where do you go from this? Because it does kind of feel like, right, 
that's probably like a bit of a major doubt now for Spurs mm-hmm. fans. Like, where yeah, do they yeah. go from here? Because you're thinking that they've got a better squad this time around. So don't know what you're. But talking to Spurs fans, they were saying they've not played well this season yeah. at all. They've just got results. Like, there's not been one game where they've been like, we played well that game. So I think, like. It's interesting because this is obviously the same score or the same result as last year at the Emirates, but I feel like they're two completely different wins. In the one last season, for the last 10 minutes, we clinged on for dear life. Mm -hmm. And like Aaron Ramsdale tipped one onto the crossbar. Like it was, we, by the skin of our teeth, we played well first half, but second half, we did not play well. This game, I think honestly, Spurs didn't get a sniff. I think there was 10 minutes towards the end of the first half where yeah. we gave away the penalty. Gabrielle does worry me at the back at times, but there was a 10 minute period. But then even at the end of the second half, there was a chance right at the end for Gabriel Jesus. And we managed to wrestle control of the game back again. I think we've shown or we've seen Arsenal's ability to manage games better. I feel yeah. like apart from the United game, where I still insist we sh- we deserved a draw out of that, that game got out of our hands we can see that we're better at managing games now. And before yeah. we move on to the United game, I just want to very, very quickly give a guy credit who it blows my mind. He's not getting more credit. Ben White, he's playing yeah. right back Incredible. and he has yeah. now kept Zaha quiet. He's kept Son and Harry Kane quiet. He's like every game he's played incredibly well. His relationship with Saka, he's able to overlap. He's able to cut in cover positions. I just think... If that guy isn't in the England World Cup squad, it's a fucking travesty because he is in great form this year and he's just getting no credit. I also love that as he walked past what was left of the Tottenham fans, he gave it a cheeky (laughs) little 3-1 as he left. Um, And he gave Harry Kane a kick um, because Harry Kane is a snide little prick and he gets away with everything. There was a moment where he just booted Gabriel for no reason. Nobody says anything. He does it every game and I do not understand how he gets away with this shit week in, week out. Um... We do have to say he got his 100th away goal of uh, 100th Premier League away goal, um, which is, is the first player to do that. I'm just trying to think the last time he scored and it wasn't a penalty. Anybody? Anybody? I think it was just for the Leicester break. It, it feels wasn't... like he only scores was, penalties. Yeah, against point. Leicester, I want to say. Leicester City. I just, especially I mean, against us, maybe we need to stop giving Spurs penalties, but all he does is score penalties <laughs> against us. I mean, there's, nothing, there's, um, there's still goals, aren't they? Like, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I feel I don't know. I, f- I, feel I like find it's... I don't know. I find this whole debate like it seems in the past couple of years. One of my pet hates in football: people have started categorizing penalty goals and non-penalty goals. Yeah. It does make a difference. It, it does make a difference. It, it doesn't because there's some people. There's some players who are absolutely shit at penalties. There's a reason why one or two people in your squad are trusted to take penalties. Every oh, if I said game. to you, Mark, Mark Noble has got sixty goals in his career, whatever it is, and you're like, oh my god, they're all penalties. It does make a difference. You're like, yeah, all right, it was the penalty. Score, okay, score, cool, yeah, but, that, but how far do you go with it? Do you go, oh, a penalty goal should count a separate? Well, I'm sorry, but a two-yard tap is probably easier than a penalty, but they still count, don't they? I think it just tells you something different about the player, right? It just tells you that it's a different type of goal. It's just a different type of goal. It's like in the NFL, how they differentiate a field goal and a conversion. Yeah, but it's, but it's a football, different type of goal. In right? football, it's the same It's the same goal. You get a goal for a 25-yarder, you get a goal for a two-yard tap-in, and you get a goal for a penalty. Like, there's no need to differentiate penalty penalties and non-penalty goals. And they're not being funny. If you know somebody on the opposite team is good at taking penalties, stop giving away penalties. Well, there's <laughs> definitely that. There's definitely that. Like, we do need 
literally, I just, there was, there yeah, was no I, part of me that thought Harry Kane was going to miss that penalty. There was not a single part of me that thought no. he was going to miss it. And that, and that is, and that, and that is an asset like you want, especially mm-hmm. for England as well, because we're not exactly blessed with world class penalty takers as we showed in the Euros. Like uh, that's very some, true. That's very having, true. Having someone very like true. that, and to be fair, you know, he does score plenty of non penalty goals as well. Like he is a very good all round striker. Uh, I just, yeah, I just find the whole penalty debate irritating. To be honest. Well, it seems like you're winning, Andy, because Football have just commented, agree with Andy on this. So I feel like you won. <laughs> <laughs> That'd but, be a good Twitter poll. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But there we go. Arsenal get their first big win of the season. Big test. Done. On to the next one. Shit, it's Liverpool. We shall see how we do about that. And Bobby Firmino just scored two. So he's definitely scoring against us. He scores every time he plays against us. But we need to move on to the other Premier League game. Andy, you ready? No. <laughs> no? I'm going to give you some time to collect your thoughts. Adam, did yeah. you enjoy this game? I did. I, I thought it was an absolutely epic game. I know Andy's cursing me for that, but um, it was just mesmeric. I mean, even speaking to a Man City friend that went to the match, he was just like blown away by how poor Man United were, just the lack of pressure. And I think what was telling was when you've got a centre-back like Akanji, who is pretty much going to the final third with the ball, that is worrying. Like, where is that midfield? Where is that pressure? I mean, I didn't expect Man United not to kind of show up in that fashion. And Mm. I, I think it tells you a story about Ten Hag, that team. I mean, you thinking like before kickoff, you're thinking, right, he's maybe fixed it. But he hasn't. It's still the same issues again and again and again. It doesn't seem to matter who goes in there and what players are brought in. It's still back to the same old issues. And Maguire wasn't even playing, so we can't even blame him this time around. So, I mean, it is just shocking. I've got, I've got a mad is. idea. Go I've on. got a mad idea for Ten Hag. Why not play Casemiro? Well, yeah. Well, you've got a five-time Champions League winner that you just spent a lot of money on, and you insist on playing Scott McTominay from what I can see is just a professional hassler. I don't know what the fuck he does. <laughs> what? How does Casemiro not start? Andy, what do you think? I think to be no, I think to be fair, there has been a change in approach this season as a player selection because playing somebody because they're what they've done in the past or because they cost X amount of million is part of a reason why Manchester United are where they are at the moment. Um, but you can't so, tell me he's not a player that's able to control midfields and sit deep. Like, that's true. what he does. Yeah, like, I, I, abs- I absolutely get that. And I thought the City game would have been a really good one for him to start. Uh, but to be fair, the previous four games, McTominay has really upped his levels. He was really good, you know, especially against Liverpool as well. And he was good against Arsenal. And I thought, well, OK, he's obviously uh, the right to keep his place for that game. I think based on... Um, based on obviously that performance against City, I think there'll be a little bit of a change there. But that's fine. That's how squad selection is supposed mm-hmm. to work. You're supposed to come in, earn your place. And I think that culture is slowly coming into effect now. But I think United were rattled in the first 90 seconds mm. um, when Dallow got that yellow card. I thought yeah. it was a harsh yellow. Considering it was soft. It was it, soft. I thought, I thought yeah. that was a bit soft. And I think, unfortunately, I think it got to his head. Um, he never recovered after that no. because he felt that he couldn't go in. Um, and I think it was one of those games where, you know, normally in those kind of games, you you could sort of look at one or two players who gone, they're responsible. And unfortunately, with United, it was 
every single player yeah. was was collectively responsible. You can't, much as people on Twitter will have their own agendas, you can't pin that on one particular player. It was bad from you know, back to front. Yeah, you know, yeah. Rashford and Sancho weren't pressing at all. You barely remembered they were there. I mean, granted, there was a bit of issue over Rashford's fitness, but so there was issues over everybody else's fitness up front. So the options mm-hmm. are somewhat limited there at the moment. Um, and I think you know, they weren't tracking back to help their fullbacks out really at any given point. In defence, they looked woefully out of position every single time. And in midfield, oh my God, midfield especially was an absolute... I didn't realise you had a midfield player. Well, yeah. <laughs> it was just... midfield, was, midfield was an absolute shit show. And again, I know it's quite trendy to pick out certain players, but the whole midfield yeah. were off it in some mm. really bad way. I mean, Ericsson has been fantastic since he signed for United. Been, you know, even the games we've not played too well in, he's been often been our best attacking player, but he had an absolute shocker. Um, Bruno Fernandes as well. I think he's got, he's got this habit of trying to Hollywood balls time in, time out. And although he's got the ability to pull them off, he could do with a bit more simplicity in the game. There was a few times where he could have... Um, Retained just, possession, just yeah, retained and possession, yeah. and that and that's unfortunately what summed up Manchester United. There were a couple of times where they did get the ball, they did win the ball back in midfield, but just wasted possession over and over and over again. It was so frustrating. Um, and I think you know, I think obviously there were a couple of positives, I suppose. Um, Anthony. Uh, probably scored the yeah. goal. The what a goal! That was <laughs> yeah. one of the great forgotten goals. Like it was, well, what a hit that was. was. What a hit! Bit, but yeah, um, yeah that'd be encouraging because he got his debut goal against Arsenal. Mm-hmm. I think without wanting to make it sound like an excuse, I think um, United's momentum hasn't got stunted a little bit because he had two games, two very winnable games, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, suspended because of cream reasons. Whether they should have been suspended, I guess we've already given our views on that one. Uh, but ultimately they were, and they, yeah. you know, we hadn't, they hadn't actually played for nearly, what, three weeks, yeah, uh, including yeah, yeah. the international breaks, and maybe there was a bit of uh, ring rustiness. But I think what was disappointing was a manner of performance. There's nothing, you know, apart, obviously, you don't want to lose two rivals ever, but losing to a team of City's quality isn't necessarily the worst thing in the world. And I think, you know, whilst I talk about Man United, you've got to give credit to Manchester City. Um, Just, I yeah. I mean, De Bruyne is... That De Bruyne and Haaland partnership is really going. And, you know, <laughs> it's, you know, it's like they've played with each other for 20 yeah. years. It's insane. Yeah. I mean, Haaland is just... Um, it's just inevitable, it's isn't it? He's he he's going to break every single record yeah. in that Premier League. Uh, he if he stays if he stays at the City for six or seven years, he'll he'll have broken all the records by that point because mm. he scored three hat tricks in eight games. Yes. It took Michael Owen forty eight games to get three exactly, hat-tricks. and it's yet Michael mental. Owen's Michael Owen's goal scoring record in the league is still yeah. very good. It's still marked as very yeah. good, but I think he's setting. Um, new standards there now and if you well, give I him saw, space um, there was a, sorry there was a twitter page called at hltco who's a great follow he's a yeah. crystal palace fan but unbelievable and he's doing a thing of players that Haaland's just overtaken he's already scored more goals than like i think it was um dimitri Payet did oh, his, wow. <laughs> for his entire time in the premier league and it's like every game he's just breaking records breaking records i think this is what I would kind of alluded to at the front of the show. I'm going to get your thoughts in a minute, Adam. Like what I alluded to at the front at the front of the show was, 
no matter how good I think Arsenal could be or are this season, none of it matters because they've got Haaland and then another player scores a hat-trick and nobody gives a shit. Foden gets a hat-trick, mm-hmm. but it's not Haaland. You've got two players getting a hat-trick in a derby match. Yes, United were terrible, but the standard of City, their performance yeah. is just... I don't think the league's honestly seen a team this clinical. This, like, they've had games at the start of the season where they were giving up, no, they'd have to concede two to score five. But I feel like we're really seeing them hit their stride now. Mm. Can any team get even closer to them this year? Unless they have an injury run. Like, that's mm. the only way someone like maybe Arsenal could maybe challenge them at this moment in time. I do, I do think they're a little bit lighter on... Um... On, certain, on numbers in certain positions, I think it's fair to say. I mean, in defence, Ake Agjani, I thought, to be honest, at the start of the game, I thought, yeah, we could really... That's definitely... You can get at them too. You can get, you can get, get at them, them too. too. Yeah. That's the backup. Um, and they had quite a lot of youth players on the bench. Obviously, they've let mm. the likes of Sterling and Hazers go without a direct replacement. I think it's very much in... They're very much in the... Early Haaland's just going to score all of our goals. But um, he did have his injury problems at Dortmund mm. last season. Um, with an absolute clusterfuck of fixtures to come over the next six weeks. I think it would be important to, for Pep to manage his game time. They're going to have to rest him at some point. They're going to have to. Yeah, because yeah. he's going to have a rest during the World Cup anyway, because he's not playing. But um, yeah, and I think also, I think as much as you could talk about his goals, his assists as well, to be yep. fair, were yeah. ex- exceptional. He's, there's a lot more to his game and I think um, yeah you, you just got to hold your hands up and just go he's too good um, <laughs> think- he is to the point now where he is too good and I think it was so I can't remember who said it but it's um, it, it, people have said it, it, it always looks like he's playing against children well this was looked like him playing against mediocre children it was yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. unbelievable I'm, I'm sat there thinking going are we the farmers yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think the other thing as well I might just want to bring up is I thought I thought uh, Roy Keane's comments on the whole Ronaldo situation was a bit strange. He's ov- Re- he Roy always Keane, has these moments, so he Roy has Keane, these obviously Roy Keane's obviously still got a uh, Ronaldo's phone number. Put it that way. The yeah. PR uh, team that is out for Ronaldo is an absolute it's just, joke. Uh, like, Ferdinand's been out crying about it today as yeah, well. And like, I just, I just, you know what? I just don't get it because you know ultimately. Ted Hag has made it very, very clear that Ronaldo does not fit into his team. Yeah. And I'm not being funny. Like, at 4-0 down, why would you bring yeah, on a player? Yeah, exactly. Who's, you know, take away the fact he's Ronaldo. He's still a 37-year-old who you've got to manage his minutes mm-hmm. at the end of the day. So what's the point in bringing him on in a game that you've already lost? There's no point. There's no, there's no benefit yeah. to doing it. No. And, you know, in these kind of games, if you're chasing a winner at one all or an equaliser maybe two one down yeah you bring him on and hope he'll get you something um but i think united you know unfortunately made their beds when it came to that mm-hmm. deal because he put he's on such high wages no one could afford to buy in um i just feel know. like is, is it not like are people just not sick of talking about it now i just every game regardless of if he plays or if he doesn't yeah play, it's, it's a headline it just and I'm I. If I was I, a United fan, I'd be pulling my eye out at it. Like, can we just talk about the players that are on the pitch and not talk about this guy who clearly doesn't want to fucking be here? Just leave him to it. Just fucking leave him to it. Take the hit. He, the money's like, gone. Just leave him. Yeah. Like it, I just 
can't even, be doing even, with even, anymore. Even my, even my girlfriend was watching it with me, and she like, he's like, he definitely looks like he doesn't want to be there. Like, yeah, um, yeah. And he's he got just... this PR department out. All the players that used to play, I get it. He's your mate. He's the best player. He's one of the best players in history. I get it. But you have to accept that time is a thing, and systems are a thing. And that, the fact mm. that Mika Richards was actually very calmly and well explaining to Roy Keane, yeah. But you know the system and the tactics. He doesn't fit into it. Roy Keane refusing to understand it is just, I, I found it it's really, just, yeah, really frustrating I, to watch. I just felt like, it was unnecessary sideshow. I think, mm -hmm. um, and we're yeah, talking I, about it again. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's, it's just, it's just, yeah. I just thought Roy Keane's comments were annoying. Really, it's just like, well, at the end of the day, like he's not playing for a reason. Like he's not Ted Hogg's fault that Ronaldo they Ronaldo was signed and they can't get rid of him. Uh, personally, I would have just gone. How much do you want to cancel your contract? Pay the money, get him out the building. Because it's what Arsenal did with Aubameyang. It's yeah, what we did yeah. with the playing. Just you know what? You don't with say with Ozil as well. Yeah, like sometimes, sometimes I know people probably won't like it, but sometimes it's better to go. You know what? Take your twenty million quid or whatever yeah, you're yeah. going to earn over mm -hmm. next year. Just take that. Fuck off. Find somewhere else to play for the rest of your career. Just get that person out the yeah. dressing room. Because the amount of us... stick that Arteta and Edu got for releasing Aubameyang on his contract, and now people are looking back, going, "That's the best thing they fucking did." Yeah, like yeah. I think you have to take that hit. But we can move on. Man City looked terrifying. I it just. Yeah. I also have to quickly shout out Jack Grealish had a very, very, very yes, good game. Yeah. I feel like yeah. he's not... People are... Because he didn't get a goal or assist, people are just writing him off. He is no. starting to no, get better to be and fair, better. Like, even, even the game before the international break, he looked, mm -hmm. he looked impressive. And um, I think maybe Pep's giving him a bit more freedom to express yeah. himself. He's not... Because I think last season, he was just turned past. So, yeah. And we know his game is not about that. Mm -hmm. His game is running at players, drawing fouls. I mean, he drew that foul of Dallow. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. He, from that moment on, he had Dallow's number. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I think that's what he brings to the team. He, he, get, he can commit players um, and... He is still he is still a very good footballer. It's, it's a bit like Maguire. It's not his fault he cost a hundred billion quid. No, no, exactly. Someone, no, no, yeah, no, no, someone but, ultimately, yeah. some ultimately decided to pay that for yeah. him. That's not his fault. Um, I, you know, I think last season he, the, the the criticism was justified, but I think um, I think he's honestly we're seeing him learn. We're yeah. seeing him learn the Pep football now, and I yeah, think, and you're I think right, so. Pep is being less dictatorial to him. And let's be like, honest, he isn't the sharpest tool in the shed. So he's, <laughs> that that like, clip of him not recognising the UK gets me. Um, yeah, like, <laughs> like, he's so he's funny. What country is that? Yeah, he's obviously going to take him a little bit of time to uh, get used to pet football. Sometimes it does take players a season. I think... For, With City, for, it always does. It always yeah, takes their yeah. players a while. And if, if, if I take my United head off a little bit, um, certainly if I put my England head on, Having him in form is a bonus because England aren't exactly yeah. round within players. form players at the moment, mm. especially in midfield. So, uh, yeah, I think... Um, it no, would hope... be exciting to have him in form. I think we're starting yeah. to see getting towards the best of Jack Grealish. He just needs that goal. He'll get there in the end. Yeah. But we're going to run her slightly over, guys. I think we're probably going to go to 50 quarter past, maybe quarter two, maybe, because uh, we still have a few games to talk about. We do also have Roberto De Zerbi's first game in England. And whew, what wow. a game. We did shout out that Trossard could actually thrive under De Zerbi. And in his first game, he gets a hat trick. 
Adam, what did you think of Deserby Ball at Anfield? Loved it. Loved every second of it. And it was totally Deserby, wasn't it? Because mm. not only did they score goals, they conceded goals, right? So that was the total experience he got from Deserby. But one of the things you have to say about the Deserby experience was it felt like Brighton had a freedom, like mm-hmm. unlike they had under Potter, which would have probably been a bit more reserved after you yeah. score a goal or two. I think they were properly like embracing the freedom. Like they were doing these kind of pivots. They were moving the ball really nicely. And I think to be fair, like Liverpool fans weren't expecting this. They weren't expecting no. a performance from Brighton like this. I know a few of my friends were like, Deserby, like, what is he? Like, what, what am I going to expect? They were even asking me, should I have a Brighton player for my fantasy league? I said, yes, if they're attacking yes, players, absolutely you absolutely yeah. want them in there. And yeah, Trossard did yeah. not disappoint. That was an incredible third goal as well, to be fair, when you thought, right, yeah, Brighton might not win this match now. Um, but yeah, incredible performance. I cannot wait for the next deserve experience and I, yeah. I loved how the even the admin at the twitter account for brighton like they embraced the italian aspects you know saying forza brighton and hove albion <laughs> and all of these tweets it was beautiful um yeah i mean to be fair enough said about that liverpool were shocking as well it has to be first said. off they absolutely were absolutely terrible. absolutely terrible i think i found deserby's comments really interesting because he said I'm not taking away what Graham Potter's done. He's done an incredible job Mm. with this Brighton team. He's done incredible things. I'm just adding a little bit of what I want to do. And I think that's really clever coaching. You've come in and I think there's a lot of coaches that the ego kind of dictates and they go, no, right, I'm tearing it all up. This is how I play. He's seen what is there. An incredible football team doing very, very well and gone, okay, oh, we can we can do this, do this, defend a bit less, it'll be mm-hmm. a bit more fun, whatever it is he's telling them. But I thought it was an incredible performance. Trossard, what a hat trick. And but yes, Liverpool, Liverpool Klopp said after the game, we didn't know how to prepare prepare for this game because we didn't know how what Brighton were gonna do. Has Klopp been on the phone to Sunes? Does he not know that like you can <laughs> yeah. Google things, you can like research? What did you think of Liverpool? What do you think of Liverpool this season, Andy? I think they've really yet to get going. Um, you know, I guess I'm also going to have a few bias points of view, but there it feels like um, a few people compared it to the final seasons of when Klopp was at Mainz mm. and Klopp was um, at Tyrells this time at Dortmund. I think shock horror if you play the same eleven for three, for four years, years running twice a week <laughs> yeah. for six years, they're going to be a little bit knackered. Yeah. Um, it, it seems that you know their solution. You know, there seems to be the go-to solution is. Um, you know, bringing on still bringing on James Milner at like mm. 52 years old or whatever old he is, and it feels yeah. like ex- expectations and reality seem to be a little bit different for Liverpool fans mm. at the moment. Uh, you know, on Twitter, I keep people seeing bang on banging on about Thiago being the best thing since sliced bread, yet he doesn't break out into more than a jog. No. He's still no, in no, with no. quite frequently, he still doesn't get in the Spain squad. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, that's a very fair point. He's actually point. not, and he's had a rough start to the season. Um, I think not enough is spoken about Darwin Nunes having cost 100 million euros and just you know, since, especially since he got that sending off, he's mm-hmm. not really recovered from it since. He's had a yeah, bit, yeah. very, very poor start. And I think Van Dyke as well, he's another one. You oh, know, yeah. people giving him fucking greatest of all time shouts and <laughs> putting him in their Premier League 11 of all time. But this season, he's had a shock the game yeah. against Brighton. He looks positionally suspect. Terrible, he, yeah. he seems to have lost 
that decisiveness. Like he's made a couple of mistakes and maybe he's second guessing himself. Um, and again, I know. think the team are just psychologically not in a good place. I think like mm. we've talked about a bit of a hangover from last season, how they came so close to winning a lot of things. They played yeah. every single game they possibly could. And I think it takes a huge psychological toll to then go again when you've lost the league by goal difference or one point was it you've lost the Champions League by one goal like there's a lot to recover there and I think we're just seeing a psychological hangover that is just and I think maybe and I think maybe they haven't had the investment I think they could have probably invested more than they have mm. done because well that's that's their I mean, FSG are not gonna they spend what they bring in that's what they yeah, do yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. how they've got I guess they haven't in bought the in anything I guess they haven't really bought in any significant amount of money recently mm -hmm. even Mane went probably quite cheap yeah. For the player that he is, to be perfectly honest, last year of his contract, wasn't it? I think. Yeah, so. but even even so, I thought they would have got a bit more for him. Mm. But hey ho, um, yeah. and I yeah. think uh, obviously you know with Trent Alexander Arnold, I know I'm banging that drum again, but he he he, he just basically proved why he doesn't get picked. He picks yeah. his moments, doesn't he? I he was does. just starting to defend him, and then he slipped over for the first goal. Yeah, for fuck's sake, Trent. He, well, like, he, he just—he just can't. He can't defend to save his life. No. The, the, the sooner someone goes, actually, let's just turn him into a midfielder or something. The better, because uh, any other system yeah, yeah. other than a Klopp or maybe Guardiola system, he's not gonna do yeah. well. And unfortunately, when you're when your attacking output drops off a little bit, people start paying more attention to yeah. what you're doing. At the other Exposed more Cause, definitely because yeah, he, he was yeah, doing yeah. it a couple of seasons ago, but then you look at his output and look what he contributes to the team and go, That's an occupational hazard. But then, yeah. you know, Henderson and Fabinho would have the legs to cover him, but they've both had their injury problems mm -hmm. and not able to do it as much. And I feel I think part this of is that is not been able yeah. to give support network he needs because let's be honest, if you've got someone of his talents, you 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 do build the team around them, and I feel like the personnel aren't quite able to do it at the moment mm. and therefore he's probably being exposed more than Klopp would like. Yeah, it's a team definitely at the end of a cycle and I think I saw a really, really interesting uh, comparison between Klopp and Wenger and he said it feels like oh, the wow. Wenger era when he was just too loyal to players and refused to move them on when he could, when he should and could have improved the team. I feel like Klopp is clinging on to some of these players a little bit too long. Liverpool will be fine. I think it's just going to be a bumpy season for them. Yeah, They'll still beat us. They'll still beat us because that's what happens but I think it was not pretty viewing in the first half and Brighton were just rampant. It's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. I think Brighton, we're going to see him rock up and cause problems everywhere this season. So beautiful to see that. Elsewhere, the, I think the final game we're going to talk about is, um, should we do, oh, actually, I was going to do Fulham Newcastle, but I'm going to talk about Crystal Palace Chelsea because this yeah. decision made my, <laughs> my, my, made my head hot again. <laughs> Jesus Frigging Christ. I love that the Crystal Palace chairman, Steve Parrish, was like straight on Twitter. Like, <laughs> Look this. this is a disgrace. And he's done it a few times. Adam, justification for that not being a red card? Blown. Blown minds. Like, I no think, idea. Like, I think there was a little bit. No. Oh, go on. Go on. So... I think the, I did hear a really good explanation when I was listening, when I was watching the BBC Sport like final score thing. That was it. Uh, the explanation that was given, I think, was sort of fair that the ball was kind of out wide a little bit. All right, it was sort of deliberate handball. You could argue deserved a red for that, but part of that decision making is was it an obvious goal scoring opportunity? That's still debatable because he had quite a long way to go to goal. 
were with Chelsea. He was clean through on goal, though. But yeah. do you, looking at the Chelsea defenders, you could make an argument they would have been able to get back in but time. Then, so then if that's and against Bournemouth, that's, you're saying that's not because their defenders are slower. Like, that, that just feels a bit that, subjective that, for me. That's, and, yeah. that's, and that's the whole problem, isn't it, with VAR? It's yeah. the whole clear and obvious. Uh, I think For me, that card, is... I as think a red card. Comes, yeah, personally, if it, personally, yeah. if it was me, I'd have been fuming if that was given against my team, and I thought <laughs> it should have been a red. Yeah, but I could sort of, I could sort of understand the logic, or perhaps if they chose why that decision was uh, not overturned as an obvious error. What do you think? What do you think, Adam? No, that, that's clear red card. I'm sure, sorry, but you're using your hand. If that was in a low leagues, that's a red card. Simple yeah, yeah. as you've stopped an opportunity, regardless. He knew what he was doing. Referee yeah. should have been like looking at that, reviewing how he did it as well, because it's the manner in which he did it. Mm-hmm. He knew he wasn't going to get the player, so he went into doing it using his hands. I'm sorry, that's just a clear and obvious red card. No, and then he sets up the winner, right? Which is just an absolute sickener for the Palace and they, fans. And they've got a Gallagher of all people to yeah. get that winner. Yeah. yeah, his first goal for Chelsea. Oh god, it's just it's, uh, I'm sorry, Palace fans. It's just horrible to see, but like. Even the Thiago Silva thing, he doesn't even then get a yellow. Even if you're like, he doesn't even book him. It just blew my mind, that whole thing. Um, but Palace, actually, people are starting to say they might be in trouble. I think they're going to be absolutely fine. They play great football. They've got a great team. They will get there. They've just had a bit of a rough run of form. And they, there's two games now where they should have got results that they, did, uh, where, that they didn't. So I think Palace will be fine. Chelsea... Lucky, lucky bastards. Yeah. Um, the final, final game we're going to talk about is Newcastle beating Fulham 4-1. Miggy Almiron getting two goals and an absolutely shocking tackle from Chaloba. And as blatant a red as you're going to see. Newcastle kind of clicking. I know it was against 10 men, but that front line starting to look a bit... Um, Look a bit yeah. interesting. Callum Wilson as well getting on the screen. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely. the thing with Callum Wilson. It's just like he's always been fantastic for Newcastle. He's just he plays two or three games, gets injured for a few weeks, and so the cycle continues. Um, I'd love to see a sustained running games with Wilson um Isaac up front. Because I think that would be uh incredible. A and really Almiron big... hitting strikes like that. Like what yeah. a goal. What I think say Maximum as well. And when yeah. once he's back, I mean, it'd be incredible, absolutely incredible. But like you say, Grealish said something about Mickey Almiron. That's clearly just developed a little bit of a fire for him to uh, yeah. just get him inspired. And yeah, that that goal, incredible. But it's interesting. Fulham are deciding to appeal that sending off. I have no idea on what grounds they <laughs> they did that immediately after the match. So. I have no wow. idea why they're doing that, but yeah, that was that card. was honestly when it, it it was. I was watching match today, and I was like, "Oh, I wonder what the red card incident is." Then, as I saw him <laughs> jump, I was like, "Oh, here's the red card incident." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> before he'd even made contact, I was like, "Yeah, there it is." Um, awful, awful tackle from Chalab. I can't believe they're trying to um, they're trying to repeal that. Anyway, before we leave you, listeners, we need to very, very, very quickly do a Champions League preview. I'm literally just going to tell you which games are on. Um, yep. Inter's week gets even harder as they are hosting Barcelona who are now top of La Liga for the first time in like three years or something crazy Mm. it is mad Barcelona actually looking good again Inter definitely not Liverpool versus Rangers Yes, it's going to be a spicy be a one. Big game. Yeah. big game, yeah, definitely could go either way. But Rangers need a win to stay within a shout. I think it'll be a Liverpool win, though. 
I think, yeah, Liverpool, Liverpool win it, but Rangers at least need to put in a performance because they have been woeful in the Champions League so far. It's yeah. going to be really weird hearing Scottish people sing the English national anthem and English people booing the English national anthem. <laughs> it's a nice little, nice little like, upside-down world thing going on there. Um, elsewhere, we have Celtic going to Leipzig. Um, Chelsea hosting Milan on Wednesday mm. night. That is an interesting one. Are we going to see... I'm going to say Rafa Liao announces himself to people who only watch the Premier oh. League and he absolutely smashes Chelsea to bits. What do we think for this game? I'm really excited about this game. Yeah, I mean, I cannot wait for him to come off that left-hand side and just belt one from distance. You mm-hmm. you can see it just happening. And then, yeah, it's just going to shock a lot of people, including Bowley, who will just go and like make a bid for him, knowing him, because he's already got Nkunku. So, yeah, why not in, in the middle, They're doing a medical a year before he can move. It's absolutely yeah, exactly. baffling. Weird. Absolutely baffling. Um, then elsewhere, we have Juventus hosting Maccabi Haifa, Real Madrid hosting Shakhtar Donetsk. That happens every year in the Champions League. <laughs> um, Sevilla playing Dortmund, Benfica, PSG, and Man City playing Copenhagen. Some pretty exciting games. I've skipped a few as well. Yeah. Bayern, Victoria, Pilsen, um, yeah. Ajax, Ajax, Napoli. That's another game we wanted to talk about. Mm. What do we think of this game? I think... That feels like a real football romantics fixture. I yeah, think, so this is Napoli. Yeah, can't wait for the total football from both sides yeah. in this respect. So uh, yeah, it should be a fascinating match up there. And then finally, the tournament where all the cool kids hang out. Europa League. Let's look <laughs> at the big games. Sheriff Tiraspol against Real Sociedad. United go all the way to Cyprus for Ammonia to take on Neil Lennon's Ammonia. Right, if he's still there, I'm pretty sure he's still the manager. Yeah, there. yeah, he's still there. Um, Midgetland taking on Feyenoord. Who are Arsenal playing? Oh, Arsenal are travelling to the Arctic Circle to take on Bodo Glimt. They, of course, Ooh. battered Roma in the Europa League last year or the Conference League. I hope they don't have a repeat performance, but playing in the Arctic Circle does feel a bit like a, a, a trial. It feels like <laughs> a trap that we could fall into. Um, but we shall see. Guys, I think we are finished. That's covered everything. So much football to cover at the minute. October is jam-packed with football. I don't know how we're actually going to talk about it all. But guys, anything to say before I say farewell to our listeners and viewers? It's been great. It's just a shame we couldn't cover it all in detail, yeah. right? We'll so. cover that all Thursday. It'll be fine. There's a few, few, few sackings to tell you about. And oh, God, we be, didn't even get there, did we? we no, didn't probably, didn't oh, I there. mean, there'll probably be one or two more, especially looking at the uh, tonight's game, Leicester and um, yeah. Nottingham and Forest. Yeah, as well. The word yeah, is Yeah, I'll speak to a Southampton man. He's not too happy. They are pretty, they are pretty sick of him, so. aren't they? They are, yeah. So uh, maybe by Thursday, we'll have another sacking to be chatting about. So, what's this? Oh, space? that'll be fun. Sacking season is in full swing, right? Listeners, viewers, we're going to let you go. Thank you, as always, for joining us. Follow us on Twitter at Italian Anglo Pod, on Instagram at Anglo Italian Pod. Subscribe to us on YouTube, hit like, do all them things, and we will see you on Thursday, Friday. Bye, guys. Friday. See you, guys. <laughs>